WBCA Radio is proud to present City Talk, where fascinating conversation is alive and well, with your host, Boston Radio veteran, Ken Meyer. Hello again, everyone. It's Ken Meyer. Welcome to City Talk here in Boston. And one of the privileges I have in doing this show is to be able to sit down with some extraordinary and wonderful talent. And we have that case today, probably one of the most recognizable voices in Boston radio currently, and that is Mr. Rod Fritz. And Rod, I got to tell you, I'm really excited about having you in here. Well, I, I, I'm excited uh, about being here with you, Ken, because as we were discussing, <laughs> we have known each other for a very, very long time. That's right. Over 30 years. Yes. That's, that's a long time. And we haven't changed at all. No, as I told you, I'm sure your hair is, is just as blonde as it ever was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Blonde. Sure it is. All right. Yeah. Let right out of the beauty part of blonde. <laughs> Let's let's go back. Where, sure. where are you originally from? Well, originally, uh, well, let's start at the very beginning, shall we? Yes, that's where we're going, okay. as it was in the beginning, yeah. as now yeah. and ever shall be. Yes, I was born in Reading, Pennsylvania. Ah, so you're not from Massachusetts. Uh, not originally, no, no. And uh, my father was in the service in the Navy, a career man in the Navy. So we moved around a lot mm -hmm. uh, as I was going through schools. But... Um, when he retired from the Navy, we uh, ended up in Chicago. Oh, wow. So I went to uh, three years of school in Chicago, uh, 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. And then uh, he got transferred to Boston. So I finished high school here in Boston at Natick High School, mm -hmm. uh, one of the suburbs of Boston, as you know. And, uh, and then I went to uh, Leland Powers School of Radio, Television, and Theater here in Boston. Yep. And uh, then I had to go into the United States Army because it was that time uh, mm -hmm. during the uh, the Vietnam, Vietnam War, War yeah. and there was there was no getting around it. Either you joined or you were drafted, and <laughs> and I didn't want to be drafted, right? So uh, so I joined. But as soon as I got out of the service, uh, I was right back into radio and uh, and television. Actually, I did some television. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did some television in Columbia, South Carolina. Oh yeah. Yeah, all right. What first of all, what memories do you have of growing up with the media and what was it that spurred you into going into radio? Well, in Chicago, uh <clears throat> there's a great radio station, WLS. Know it well. And uh I used to listen to that all the time. And I said to myself as I was in eighth and ninth grade, you know, this seems like this would be fun to do. I could really enjoy doing some some radio, so that is is what sparked me. Uh, it was you know top forty radio. The disc jockeys did all the kind of crazy things like, hey, what time is it, folks? I can see a dial. Oh, let's check the clock of the wall and I see a dead fly. And they would go on and on to all this crazy stuff. Yep. So uh, I, I said, uh, that's it. You know, I'm going to be a disc jockey. Um, but I also had the acting bug in high school. So I also thought about uh, uh, perhaps pursuing an acting career at one time. And that's why when I did graduate from high school in Natick, I went to Leland Powers, which was a school of radio, television, and theater. Uh, it was a two-year uh, associate's college and uh, based in the Back Bay of Boston. Most of the people there uh, were studying for radio and television. Uh, some people were studying for theater. I kind of did both, actually, when I was there and uh, and enjoyed it. But when I got out of college, I had to go into the service. Right. And when I went into the service, uh, I uh, signed up for uh, journalism school in the military and uh, went to the Defense Information School, which was then located in Fort Benjamin Harrison, Indiana, and I also wanted to go on to broadcasting in the military, Armed Forces Radio. Uh, right. I was just going to ask you if you had any connection with them. Well, uh, I did. Uh, I, I had the high enough grades in journalism class, and I passed the voice test, which <laughs> you have to do in order to advance to the broadcast school in the military. It was at the same place, Fort Benjamin Harrison, Indiana, and it was a joint school, which was really nice, Ken. It wasn't just Army. It was Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and Coast Guard. 
Ah, everything. Every, 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 it was joint service. It was a, a tremendous, tremendous education in a short eight weeks. And uh, when I got out of uh, the defense information school, which was called DINFOS, <laughs> uh, they assigned me to Fort Gordon, Georgia, where uh, they had at the time one of the largest closed circuit television uh, facilities in the world. And at that time, they produced training films there. They produced training videos for the Signal Corps, for different things. So I'm working uh, not necessarily always on camera, but certainly doing a lot of voice work there, running television cameras, running control rooms in the, in the, in the television studio. It was a closed circuit uh, operation, so it wasn't like anybody could see it in, in the Fort Gordon area. Uh, but uh, it was uh, it was a fantastic education. Then I got my orders for Vietnam, uh, thinking this is great. I'm going to go Armed Forces uh, Vietnam Network, Armed Forces AFVN, Armed Forces Radio. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, I ended up in psychological <laughs> operations. That doesn't sound as glamorous. It as wasn't. Armed Forces uh, Radio. No, it wasn't quite as glamorous, uh, and I could never figure out why. After all the training that I received, that I ended up in psychological operations, and it was because they said. I was trained to operate a tape recorder. <laughs> so ended up in helicopters, um, uh, and uh, we tried to win over the hearts and minds of the uh, North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong. And you could do it with just that voice. Well, I didn't have to say a thing because <laughs> uh, it was other people that were saying things, but I had to play the stuff. And we dropped leaflets, too. We did a lot of the uh, leaflet drops and uh, uh, it was actually very interesting. However, Ken, here's the interesting thing. While there in Vietnam with the 11th Armored Cavalry Regiment, we built a pirate radio station ah. in Quan Loi. And where the equipment came from, we never questioned. <laughs> but we had tape recorder, two turntables. We would write to record uh, radio stations in the States to send us uh, records. They would send us records. I even wrote to a company that was called Jams uh, in Dallas, Texas uh, back then. I don't know if they still exist, but uh, they produced jingles. Jingles, radio jingles. Right, right. right. So I said, you know, here we are in Vietnam. We sure would appreciate it if you could uh, produce some jingles for us. Well, lo and behold... Uh, a couple of weeks later, a jingle package shows up from Jams, no charge, obviously. Wow! And uh, and we, <clears> so <throat> we had this bizarre uh, radio station with uh, no control from the military, which made it even better. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite the thing. That's great. So when you got out. You you just decided to go back to Boston. You had that in mind. No, well, uh, my my goal was always to work in Boston. But uh, back then, you just don't jump into the city of Boston. You have to, as my good friend, uh, may he rest in peace, Roger Allen, oh, yeah. uh, always told me, uh, you got to go to the tall grass <laughs> and and learn your craft. So when I got out of the Army, I worked uh, – here's the other funny thing. I told you I wanted to be a disc jockey. Right. You know, remember? Because I grew yep. up, you know, I was listening to these DJs. <laughs> yep. I would send out DJ uh, demos to all kinds of radio stations, reject, reject, reject. One guy says to me, uh, did you ever think about doing news? And I said, well, no, I never thought about it. He said, why don't you think about it? <laughs> so – I did a couple of news demos, and I sent those out, and I started getting replies. Aha. Uh -huh. And I'm thinking, wow, maybe I'll become a news guy. So, yes, I did. I ended up in uh, Washington, New Jersey at WCRV Radio, was, uh, uh, and I was the news director. And, uh, and we had a great small-town news staff, and I really did learn the craft. There's no doubt about it. Because we not only covered city council and the local police, we covered everything in in Northwest New Jersey, um, and uh, and and New York, you know, n knew about us. And uh, I was even offered a position in New York, but I didn't take it because I didn't think uh, I was ready for New York at that time in my career. I ended up in Philadelphia, however. CAU. No, I worked at WPEN, oh, which yeah. is an oldie station, and I again. Uh, did the morning news mm -hmm. on on this uh, music radio station. From there, uh, I worked there a couple of years, and from there, uh, uh, 
uh, Al Brady Law, who was programming WHDH Radio here in Boston, contacted me and said they were looking for a news director and wanted to know if I would be interesting. Now, I'm a young kid in his <laughs> 20s, and uh, a Boston radio station is calling me in to know if I'm interested in being a news director. Well, I said, yes, I am, and I'm fully prepared. And uh, they hired me in 1976 ah. is when I came to Boston as the news director of WHDH with the great Jess Kane still there, as you know. Yep. Uh, Vin Maloney Vin was Maloney. in the newsroom, you know, uh, one of the greatest voices ever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, fantastic. <laughs> uh, we had a tremendous staff. We won a bunch of awards, went through the blizzard of 78 uh, with that uh, WHDH radio. And uh, I, the other funny thing is I had been sending uh, tapes to my friend Roger Allen, at, who was working as the news director at WRKO. Yep. And he kept telling me, you know, you need a little more experience, a little more experience. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so when I came to town at WHDH as the news director, I called up Roger. I said, hey, Roger, how are you? He says, well, Rod, you know what? You know, we, we still don't have anything, but, you know, you really need to, to continue on and uh, keep learning. And, uh, and if something pops up, I'll let you. I said, uh, Roger, it's okay. I got a job in Boston. He says, oh, uh, what are you going to be doing? Are you going to be announcing? I said, no, I'm the news director at your competitor, WHDH. He went, uh-oh. Uh-oh. So then I stayed at WHDH for a couple of years, went to Denver. I was wooed to go to Denver. I went and worked in Denver for a couple of years as the news director there at, at uh, a very popular radio station, KIMN. We called it Kim, Kim ah. Radio. And uh, I, I wanted to come back to Boston, and I came back to Boston as the news director at WROR-FM oh, yeah. yep. uh, when it was owned by WRKO. Yep. And uh, the rest, as they say, is it's history. history. Yeah. Did, you, did you do strictly anchoring, or what, did you do any street reporting? I did some street reporting, but I did a lot of anchoring. But I remember I was the news director, so I also had to do a lot of administrative work. Ah, yeah. Um, the boring part of the business. The boring part, exactly. <clears throat> uh, but uh, uh, I, I mostly did anchoring, but I did do some street reporting, yes. And tell me about WRKO. When you were there, uh, when I was at WRKO, uh, w again we we built uh, a, a fantastic news department with a great news staff, and uh, it was the talk station. At, when I was the news director at WRKO, they were not a music station when I was there, and um, you know everything went fine until they decided that they wanted to eliminate the news department, and. Um, and they let us all go. This was after a couple of years. Just after I had won uh, uh, Best uh, Newscast of the Year from the Associated Press, they said, by the way, uh, <laughs> we're uh, getting rid of the news department. So I said, well, thanks. <laughs> you know, that's funny. I was and off we went. I was thinking this morning on the way over here, when I came to Boston, I came here and, well, I came to school here in 1967. And when I started working at, at WBZ Radio, there were at least four radio stations with full news staffs. Probably more, but yeah, yeah. At, but four big ones, yes. Yeah, we had WEEI, yes. RKO, HGH, and BZ. That's right. Now there's only one. Um, that's correct. And I find Well, that actually, that's, that's, that's not true. There are three. There are three. There are three. Okay. There is WBZ. There's WBUR. Oh, that well, okay. And WGBH WBH, now yeah. has a has a, a real good news department. So there are three, but each one does things differently. You know, they all mm -hmm. do things differently, and uh, so it gives you a good choice. Gives you a good choice to pick. I forgot to mention, and you brought it up because uh, you worked at WEEI when CBS yep. owned them, and then yep. uh, and then they were sold. Uh, to uh, the Valerio people, the Valerio people, and uh, we worked together there. I that was an all news station. Yep, and uh, I was an an anchor as well as the assistant news director at that place. If you remember, yeah. yes, I remember that, and I remember you doing the intro to Dave Shea's football review. Yes, or something to that yes. effect. Yes, and you had a review, a news review program there too, did you not? 
Yes, I did. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was called. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, and and it was a it was a great program. Um, but again, you know, the powers that be sometimes don't think things. When you need a, a a big support group, sometimes they think that's costing too much money, so they eliminate it. But what I did was, I would take the news stories of the day, um, and uh, the, it was called the Evening Review. That's right. Yes, yes, that's it. It yep. was called the Evening Review, and it aired after six o'clock sometime. I can't remember exactly if it was six thirty to seven or seven to seven thirty, whatever. Right. But we would take the news stories of the day and go into greater detail on what these stories were about as compared to just doing a 40-second uh, report from a, from a reporter. So we'd actually interview newsmakers about the story uh, or reporters uh, about the story. And most of the time it was all local. Yes, it was, as a matter of fact, that evening review uh, won a uh, Tom Phillips uh, UPI award uh before UPI went under it was it was quite the show John Hall worked with me on the yes. evening review John Hall now at channel, uh, channel seven. 7 here yep. in Boston mm-hmm. I interviewed his wife yes Karen Karen yeah when yep. she was at channel 56 yes um just like because, old home weeks yeah. here with you, <laughs> just because I, I like hearing names and stories refresh my memory about some of the people and personnel at WRKO. That was when it was General Tire. Is that correct? Oh, you want to go back to General Tire? Sure. Uh, now, I was the news director of the FM, uh, oh, WROR, okay. not WRKO then. I did become news director later in my career. But uh, when General Tire owned uh, WROR, WRKO, and WNAC-TV ah, okay, channels, yeah. we were all in the same building. Yeah. And uh, some of the news people uh, that were there, um, uh, Ed Walsh was oh, on yeah. uh, WRKO. Uh, Joe Morgan yep. was on WRKO. Um, uh, Carolyn Murdoch. Who became Mrs. Carolyn Fritz. Was on WRKO. And then I hired her away and put her on WROR. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Deb Roby, maybe? Deb Roby was there, absolutely. John Masters. Oh! The great John Masters. Boy, if you want to talk about great voices. Oh, my gosh. Man, he was he was another one. He was down there like this. <laughs> yeah. Nixon takes to the tube. <laughs> yeah, I love John Masters. <laughs> Me too. Love uh, Bill Rossi. Yes! Yes. Worked at WRKO. He worked at Graham Junior College, too. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Because we ran into each other in the hallway. Yeah. And on the FM side, uh, and, and we would compete with the our, our sister station, even though we were in the same <laughs> building, we would compete against them. Uh, but we had uh, uh, Jeanette Kerr. Uh, we had Barbara Quill, who at one time was the first uh, female uh, television anchor in the state of Maine. I hired her away to come work at WROR-FM. I know that um, name. Uh, Carolyn Murdoch, of course, who I took yep. from WRKO. Steve yep. Brown, who now works at WBOR, was our state house reporter. Ah. Scott Picard became a state house reporter for WROR. Mm-hmm. We had a great staff on the FM. I'm sure I'm missing some people mm-hmm. uh, because you're going back to uh, 1980. Yeah, 1980, 81. So that's that's a long time ago, Ken. <laughs> yeah, nobody's got to tell me about that. Oh my. Um, but on another on another uh, more serious note, what's it do to a man's ego, who was a news director, of of a great station at that time in Boston, to suddenly find out that they're out of work? Well, you know, I think it, it, that's a great question. Um, thank you, Dr. Meyer. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I'll, I'll show you my degree in psychology yeah, yeah. before we leave the studio. Uh, you know, uh, it's not just me that this happens to. It happens to uh, uh, every everybody. Uh, it happened to me. I got fired sure. twice by the same station. Sure. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's not necessarily a blow to your ego. It's it's a it's a blow to your your psyche to your ability to to want to continue to do what you've been doing 
and doing it well and for no reason of your own, whether it be, as happens at a lot of radio stations over the years, it's happened, a change in format, a change in philosophy, a change in ownership, um, and, and all that can affect uh, the personnel working at that radio station, as it has me uh, over the years. Yeah, and and so what you, what do you do? You, as the song says, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you start all over again. That's what you do. I remember when I got let go by, and I can mention the WEEI the first time. Yeah, when they I, were all news. When they yeah. were all news, I was very disheartened and mm-hmm. very discouraged. And the one thing I missed more than anything was well, actually there were two. One was, of course, being on the air and being able to sit in front of a microphone. The other was the camaraderie that mm-hmm. always existed with the people in the newsroom, the people in the promotions department, mm-hmm. the salespeople. Man, I missed all that like crazy. Sure, and and I do too. Uh, to this day, I miss uh, the coworkers uh, that I spent every day with at WBZ while I was there. And and I'm sure they tell me when I talk to them that they miss me. You know, the, the one thing that it's been written about uh, over the years, it's not been written about enough in my mind, when a coworker is let go for whatever reason, it's like a death in the family because that worker who you've been seeing for the past 10, 15, 20 years is now no longer part of your life every day, Monday through Friday. Yeah, I remember when I got hired back the second time at at WEEI, um, and that's when they were in the Prudential. Yep, 44th floor. 44th floor. I remember you there. (laughs) Yeah, I remember me there too. (laughs) Um, I got hired back by John Rodman, Mm -hmm. who was the program director. When I got let go the first time, he said to me, "If, if I can do it, I will bring you back. And I remember... We had breakfast in the Sheridan Hotel, mm-hmm. and we hammered out everything like in 15 minutes. So I said, well, let's, let's go upstairs because I asked for something in writing, and he said, no, let's stay down here a while and make them think we're having a hard time. <laughs> I'll, I'll always, always remember that. But it was so great to get back into it again. Sure. And, and you were, as I recall, a, a pitchman type of public relations person after – WRKO. Yeah, I did that for a short while. Um, uh, and why I did that, I'll never know. <laughs> Money. <laughs> but yeah, that was one reason. He had yeah. The, he had the family to support. Uh, it was uh, it was very interesting. Uh, I thought I did it quite well, uh, to be honest with you. But it was not me. Uh, it, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, but, uh, you, know, uh, you know, when you're professional, you, you do what you got to do to keep the money coming in to make sure the mortgage gets paid and the kids get fed, you know? So yep. you do that. But I used to listen to you all the time oh, on WEEI you. when you hosted the old-time radio stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just fantastic. I mean, you know, the great thing about the shows that you did on that station, it was literally taking us back 30 years while you were on. We left – the 1980s, <laughs> and we went to the 1930s with Ken Meyer and the shows that you you were there with, and the interviews that you did with the people who uh, who were part of that old time radio. Uh, I mean, I, you you've talked to some world famous celebrities <laughs> in your career. My goodness, I have, as a matter of fact. And you know what? I, enjoy, I, I there were times in the middle of an interview I would turn off the microphone. And yell to Scott Whitley, who's my producer, and right. I would just say, "Wow, <laughs> you know," and then and then turn the mic back on. Well, Mister Linkletter, let's 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 go back to yeah, and and I will tell you, I I have told this story before, but you have not heard it, and I'll tell it again, and my audience can turn their radios off if they want. No, to. don't turn it off. Don't but, turn it off. <laughs> but um, when WBZ celebrated their fiftieth anniversary. Mm-hmm. We had to do uh, four hours a night with old-time radio people, five nights a week for one solid week. Worked with Jerry Williams, who couldn't have been nicer. One of the people that we got was Art Linkletter, who hosted two shows on two different networks, 
all run, uh, lasting a long time. He did People Are Funny on NBC, and he did Art Linkletter's House Party mm -hmm. on CBS. Mm -hmm. And there was one day when he was in WBZ, and somebody said to me, hey, Art Linkletter's over at BZTV. I said, well, he ain't getting out of here yet. So I went over to BZTV, and I introduced myself and said, you know, we, we talked to you on our 50th anniversary, and he remembered it. And I said, have you got time to come over to BZ Radio and sit down with me for 10 or 15 minutes? And he said, listen, if we ain't got time, we'll make time. And somebody told me later they didn't know who looked happier, Linkletter or me. <laughs> that is a great story. I, I always like to tell that story because it demonstrates what a, what a wonderful man he was, yeah. speaking of our radio personalities. He was a great guy. Yeah. And uh, – well, of course, it happens to everybody. He passed away several years ago, but boy, he for the longest time, he was in great shape. You could play a recording of him from 30, 40 years ago, and he even said to me when I did it, he said, gee, my voice hasn't changed, has it? And I said, no, it has not. Yeah. You still sound just as good as you did way back then. Exactly. So how long did you do the pitchman work? Uh, about a year and a half. Yeah, about a year and a half. And then WRKO came calling me to come back. Ah, um, as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. yeah. So um, I know how that feels. Yeah, and that was good. And I said to him, I said, "Listen, are you sure you <laughs> want to to do this? Because you eliminated the news department once. Are you sure you want to start this? Yes, it was a mistake. <laughs> we need you to come back and and build the news department back up again." Mm -hmm. um, which we did, and uh, again, we we had great. Uh, staff with Paul Tuthill, Mary Blake, um, uh, Listo Fisher, ah, uh, Listo, yeah, yeah. Uh, myself. Um, <clears throat> we had, uh, gosh, I know there were more. Marga Bassett was oh, another wow. part time. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Sharon Smith worked there. Um, I, I can't remember all of them. Uh, I know there are more. Oh, um, Oh, my goodness. She went to New York to work at WCBS. She worked with me at WHDH Radio before it merged with WRKO. Pat Carroll. Pat, Pat, Pat Carroll, Carroll, yeah. Yes. Uh, she was at EEI when I was there. Yes, yes. And uh, and uh, she and I co-anchored the news when WHDH was on its last legs. Yeah. And uh, we had a fantastic newsroom at that short time before it merged and became – part of WRKO, and then WHDH became WEEI AM yeah. at 850 on the dial. Yeah. And, of course, by then, 590 was long gone. Yeah. Um, the all-news uh, WEEI was long gone. So, you know, what we're talking about here, uh, ladies and gentlemen, are are the huge amount of changes that have happened in this industry, in this city, over the last, you know, 30 to 40 years. And it's been tremendous, if you think about it. There's been a lot of changes. Yeah, and I don't think it's all been for the good. I mean— you, Well, and neither do I, but, you know, that's it, because we we love the business. If you, you look know. at other cities, you will note that, for example, in New York, you still have WCBS, which is O&O. You have WINS, W-I-N-S. These are all new stations. They've been in existence, and they still are, yep. and they still sound good. Yep. Um, and to me, as far as this market, it's very disheartening to know that there aren't as many. I've seen at least three radio stations, as the saying goes in the business, go dark, and they're yep. not around anymore. Right. Um, HDH being one, BCN being another. Right. Um, WRCA, who I did some work for yes. for a little while. Yeah, 13.30 a.m. Right. They're gone. Um, and Boston is supposed to be the great this. Bill Marlowe did some stuff over there at WRCA, yes. I believe. My man, Frank Sinatra. Yes. My man. Yes. Yep. But, you know, it's it's part of what we were talking about, Ken, and that is ownership changes, sales are made, a, a, a program's uh, a philosophy change, formats change. And when that happens, those radio stations that you're talking about sometimes don't survive. Yeah. But on the other hand, communications and everything is now to the degree where you could have a radio station with no local programming 
and still manage to keep on the air if you wanted to. Uh, that's correct, and that's happened in a lot of places around the country. And um, it, it's, it, it, in my opinion, it's it's not right. A no, radio station so should be serving the local community as best as it can. Yep. But to just be on the air and pipe in stuff from another state, from uh, uh, a, a, from some nationally syndicated satellite program, uh, in in my opinion, is hurting the audience. But um, but I'm not a programmer, so no. But just think of what we could do if we were. I know. Well, we're kind of <laughs> doing it right now. If we, we were, and we oh, absolutely. Now you left RKO again. I left RKO again. That's that's correct. Uh, and they did. They pulled the same thing. They did. They, well, it was a little bit different. Uh, they again eliminated the news department. Um, all of us were let go, and uh, they hired an outside uh, news service, pretending to be like they knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't it awful how management makes so many mistakes? Yeah, it's terrible. Um, and and as I recall, uh, you did some work for Fox News. I did some news. I, I worked in New York uh, at Fox Radio. Um, national, it's 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 a network just like CBS, ABC, right, and Westwood One. Um, it's uh, and we were uh, I was anchoring the news on the weekends, and I would fill in sometimes Monday through Friday and morning or 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 middays or overnights. I actually liked the overnights because you had more listeners mm-hmm. uh, on when you're when you're working at a at a network, uh, and it was it was a a very good experience uh, working at Fox. I totally enjoyed it. Totally was, enjoyed it. Was it as ex- was it more exhilarating to open up that mic and know you were talking to hundreds of radio stations rather than just one? You know, I never looked at it that way, Ken. When I open up the microphone, uh, like right now, mm-hmm. I'm talking to you. Yep. And I know there are a lot of people listening. I certainly hope so. Oh yeah, I know they are. <laughs> I know they are. And and I don't I don't want to think that I'm talking to, you know, 100,000 people at once or in some cases maybe it would have been a million at uh, at Fox, I don't know. I'm talking to one person. I'm conversing and telling that one person the news on on how the developments of the day uh, may or may not affect their lives, and I want it to be so. Uh, uh, my delivery, as you know, is a, is a lot different than some other news people. It's I, I try to be as conversational as possible, and uh, it's like we're sitting down at dinner or lunch, and we're having a chat about what happened and what's going on. And I'm going to tell you, and that's 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 how I do it. I would probably. Have a lot more gray hair <laughs> if uh, if I were sitting in a microphone realizing <laughs> there were 10,000 or so people listening. You know what? I do the same thing. When I first started on the air, I kept thinking that and thinking, my God, there's 20,000 people listening to me right now right. all over the country. And I was scared stiff. Yes. And I eventually sat down one day and talked to myself and said, look. Do each caller with a one-on-one basis. Same thing with an interview. Yep. And it worked. Yep, yep, it does. I mean, can you imagine? I don't know how some of these uh, rock stars do it, uh, where they stand up and uh, and perform in front of 100,000 people in a live auditorium. Yeah. You talk about scary. Yep. Holy smokes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So you worked at Fox. Did and you... then I was hired by WBZ. WBZ. Peter Casey? Yes. And and I was originally hired to anchor weekends, and I did, and uh, filled in during the week here and there. Ed Walsh was working there at the time, and when he left, uh, I was asked to take over the mornings while they searched for someone else to permanently take over mornings. Um and they ended up hiring Joe Matthew. Joe Matthew. But I filled in doing mornings for about five or six months, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and of course, now I was full-time. Now I'm full-time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I ended up uh, anchoring middays and, uh, and until uh, my more recent, my most recent departure. I shouldn't say more recent. My most <laughs> recent <laughs> departure. But you still, like me, 
have not lost your enthusiasm for the business. No, because— I can tell that just yeah. by sitting here. And, and you're right. And you know what? It, it's funny. You talked—earlier we discussed how do you feel after losing your job and blah, 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 blah. Well, be, because we have this uh, this love of, of the job. It's not really a job to you and me. Right. It's It's—, it's I, I I couldn't believe they paid me to do this. Um, now, granted, uh, you know when you're in the news business, every day is not a happy day. I mean, there are stories that you're reading uh, and that you follow up on, and people that you talk to that uh, are very emotional, and uh, and sometimes gut wrenching, and uh, you know you 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 have to put it into perspective. And you move on to the next one. But the the good stories that were, are out there are the ones that keep you going and going and going. But I'm sure you remember days like, I mean, I know where I was when the Challenger exploded. I was in Spalding Rehab in 1986. I know where I was and what happened when the uh, September 11th occurred in 2001. Uh, and I'm sure you have memories of those two days yourself. Absolutely. I remember the Challenger exploding on my birthday, as a matter of fact. Ah. It was January 28th. Yes. 1986. Yes, it was. Yep. I was anchoring the news at WEEI, all news radio station at the time. And uh, looking up at, at, and there were no, that was the strangest thing. We had done some, we by meaning the United States and NASA, had done so many successful launches of, uh, of, of you know, missions yep. in space yep. that the media just took it for granted that this was just going to be another average, everyday liftoff, and then they get up there, and the teacher in space, Krista McAuliffe, will have her thing and talk and, and, and you know, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 yada, 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 if you want to use that word. But no, in this case, you know, as soon as that thing took off, uh, there was a problem, and it exploded. And uh, I looked up there, and I said uh, through the intercom, I said, I think there's something going on with this liftoff, and uh, please keep me informed about what happened. And they're whispering in my ear, yeah, all of a sudden it exploded. Of course, and then we're, we're talking on the air about, I mean, this was also a local story for us because of Krista McAuliffe. yeah. And uh, now we're into full-blown coverage at, at, at WEEI, not only using the network, but uh, also all our local reporters that were in Framingham, where she graduated from high school. I believe it was Marion High School. Uh, and, of course, uh, there were reporters up in Concord, where she was a, a school teacher. And, um, and I stayed on the air for a little bit longer than usual, but then turned it over to the afternoon drive folks. It was uh, it was it was quite the day. Yes, without a doubt, uh, you remember those stories. I remember where I was uh, as you talked about nine eleven. I was uh, doing the morning news and the news director at WRKO. Ah, Peter Blute was hosting the morning show yeah, at the time. I know that name. Yep, he and was then in politics. He was in politics at one time. Yes, and uh, but now he's a a morning talk show host. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the first plane goes into the into the tower. Uh, we're not sure what happened. And then, of course, when the second plane went in, we knew it was a terrorist attack. And uh, full-blown change, again, uh, into what we're doing. I'm sending reporters everywhere. Uh, I'm staying. I was on the air until 5 o'clock in the afternoon, 4 o'clock in the afternoon that day. Hmm. I remember the when the Blizzard of 78 was over, I had a chance to talk with Ken Coleman. Uh -huh. The former radio voice of the Boston Red Sox. Yes. First interview I ever did in my life when I was in college. And he said to me, you know, you can really be proud of the job that the media did uh, covering this on radio. And you can really be proud of your profession. I'm sure you felt that way. I'm sure they felt that way at BZ. But on the other hand, how do you feel about the media when you hear names like Brokaw, Matt Lauer, Charlie Rose, all accused of the same thing. Sexual well, well, it, you you say to yourself, "What's wrong with these people?" I mean, how can you take a position of power like that and hold it over someone to take advantage of them? 
uh, and they deserve to be, uh, you know, let go. They deserve uh, to not work uh, in this business. Will they ever re- recoup themselves? I don't know. I don't know how Matt Lauer is going to work again. I don't know how Charlie Rose is going to work again. I don't see that really happening at all. Tom Brokaw uh, denies everything. There's there's, a, there's some of the stuff with with his uh, the charges against him are a little a little dicey from what I've been reading. But he's not the only one. Then you have you have Brian Williams who said he was in places where oh, he never yeah. was. Uh, but as a news person, I mean, why why would you even think about uh, taking such a chance uh, when when you have this this wonderful job uh, and you're a national figure to 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 do what you are accused of doing? Because I have to say, accused, I don't think anyone's actually been found guilty of anything that I know of. Um, but you know, you wonder where their mindset is. Do they just think that they're above it all and they and they won't be touched? So you know, I I, I have no uh, no sympathy for them at all. Um, Does that answer your question? Yep. Yeah. Can we take some calls now? <laughs> yeah, let's take some phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I asked a, a news person, a lady who worked at BZ, about it, and she said. Sexual harassment at the time she started in the business, she just accepted it because it was part of the business. Mm-hmm. I hate to hear that because well, of I, course I never did it. I never did it either, and I hate to hear it as well. Uh, but yeah, it it did happen. There's no doubt about it. Um, it happened to a lot of women who, when when they were first, when when women were not as welcome in the business as they are now. You know, I mean, they're just as qualified. There's no doubt. Some more qualified, mm-hmm. <laughs> for that matter. Yeah. And and you know, back in the day, I mean, it was different times, obviously. Yep. But you know, you you you, you again, I say, why why would you would you use your power to you know assault someone uh, who is just trying to be a human being? You've been on radio a long time, <clears throat> and you mentioned the work that I did at WEEI. And back in those days when when those radio shows were on, they used to use a saying that was something like, when radio was king. And I asked your wife this question, and I'm going to ask it of you. Is radio still king? Yes, radio is still king. You know why? People get in their car and they listen to the radio. When something happens outside a major event, whatever it is, people, yes, they turn on their their uh, television set, but they also turn on the radio, especially if they're in their car. It, it radio is never going to go away. It's not going to go away. Uh, is it king? Is it the king? Uh, for example, that uh, 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 when England ruled the world, no, it may not be that big of a king, but it certainly is king as far as I'm concerned. Now, I will ask you about a friend of mine. What did my wife say? She said probably just about the same thing you did. Oh. Um, But she mentioned (laughs) to me, and and I was really glad to hear this about a gentleman that I always enjoyed on the air, was, uh, did sports at WRKO, and as a matter of fact, he broadcast the Hail Mary Pass with Doug Flutie. Yes. And that is... Dan Davis. The great Dan Davis. How is the great Dan Davis, and what is he doing these days? The great Dan Davis is retired from ESPN Radio, and he's doing fine. Uh, I play golf with Dan at least once, maybe twice, sometimes three times a year. Um, he is He's doing fine. He, 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 he has a home in Florida, and he has a home in New Hampshire. So in the wintertime, he's where it's warm, and in the summertime, he's where it's warm. (laughs) Up here. Good for him. I I had to ask that. He's doing great. And you know what? I've known Dan Davis since 1976. He was also working at WHDH when I took over, uh, and he was doing sports there. Uh, He and I have known each other a very long time, and he is just one of the nicest, and as you know, the Flutie Pass. Yep. Um, and, and he and I also worked, I worked at ESPN for a year mm-hmm. with Dan Davis mm-hmm. doing sports. Mm-hmm. So I've, 
Yeah, I've done quite a bit in my uh, my long career. But Dan is a great guy, and I will tell you on his behalf, he says hello. <laughs> well, I don't know if he'd even remember me, but I I did enjoy meeting him once or twice, and I he was one of the he's very very one of the nicest guys in the world as far as sports is concerned. Someday I hope to interview him. I'm sure you will be if, able if, to if the uh, situation presents itself. What what happens now? I mean, you you still want to get back in the business, and I assume you want to get back to where you were. Well, I'd like to get back to where I was. I just don't have a place to go to where that's happening right now. So we'll we'll see what happens down the road. I'm not closing any doors. Uh, I may not uh, be back at the station that I was at, but I may be at another station. The problem is, as we've been talking about, there, there aren't, aren't that many, many stations. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, uh, mentally, I'm can preparing myself to perhaps I have given my last broadcast on commercial radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying I haven't yet, but it's possible. Are you prepared to retire if you... See, I I wanted to retire. I didn't want to be out of radio. I had, I had a very dear friend of mine out of Washington, D.C., uh, a blind radio announcer named Ed Walker, mm-hmm. who used to work with Willard Scott ah, yes. from the Today Show. And he said to me, listen, if radio is in your blood, you will never get out of it. And even though I'm not in commercial radio anymore, I still love doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah, I would would agree. I would agree with that. I uh, had planned to retire. I hadn't planned to retire when I was forced to retire. Mm. Um, So that took a little that was kind of a shock and a little bit of a mental try to get my brain together here. All right. I don't get up and go to work anymore. <laughs> uh, I wasn't I was going to do this eventually. I just wasn't going to do it now. Um, I still get up at the same time. Yeah. You know, I do that. My wife and I were commenting about that. And even though I don't go to work, I'm still awake at six o'clock in the morning. So am I. So am I. Yep. And and I, I you know I go to bed around ten you know again yeah I don't stay up late unless there's something really interesting that I want to stay up for like a a great Red Sox Yankees yeah I was game just gonna say yeah or yep. uh, or a great basketball game uh, with the with the with the Celtics now in the final in the in the Eastern Finals yep and and of course hockey which we don't have to worry about anymore <laughs> and uh, and on Sunday all the games are most of the games are during the day so you don't have to worry about that yep going to bed everybody said to me and told me when I wanted to get into broadcasting go to a broadcasting school because that way when you get out your employer won't have to show you about things and explain things today in this day and age and the way radio stations are now would you still agree with that advice? No, because uh, everything – I don't know. It, it, actually, I shouldn't say no that fast. Um, I don't know what broadcast schools teach nowadays. I don't know if they have the same equipment that they have at radio stations. Back then, you had a board yep. with knobs on it and a needle that would move, <laughs> and uh, and you had reel-to-reel machines. You had actual turntables – which have come back for DJs at nightclubs now, mm-hmm. um, and and you had cart machines um, that you played some songs on, or some uh, a lot of commercials. Commercials, yeah, were on cartridges. Yep, which looked like the old eight track tape for the folks yep. who were listening, or a pack of cigarettes. It was a little bit bigger than a pack of cigarettes, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yes, yes, exactly. Nowadays, most everything is computerized. Um, your editing is is all done on computer. Your writing, there's no typewriter. There are no typewriters anymore. It's all on computer. There, there, there's no using uh, reading from a script on paper in the news booth. <laughs> at least where I worked at WBZ, you're reading off of a screen like a prompter, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And um, my question would be: I don't know if broadcast schools have that equipment. To train someone, uh, there, 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 there was a school which I think is closing now. Um, it was the American Art Institute. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, they did 
uh, they had a program there where they taught kids how to uh, be board operators. And uh, and their equipment was pretty good, from what I understand. They, the WBZ hired a lot of board operators out of uh, the Art Institute here in Boston. Um, and uh, so in that regard, it helped. But, you know, nothing beats the experience of working at a radio station. The problem is the small market radio stations nowadays don't have the uh, uh the the full lineup of disc jockeys or uh, a full newsroom they might have one news person who is probably not only the news director might even be the program director and the news director mm-hmm. it might even be the owner as a matter of fact <laughs> yeah um and, and so there's no place for for people to really learn uh, in the tall grass as Roger Allen would say mm-hmm. uh like we had 30 40 years ago uh so uh, you know, I would I would advise anyone who was thinking of going to broadcast school to become a broadcaster to rethink uh, what it is that they want to do with their life. Because as long, I know that radio will always be here, but the people that they use and and what they use and what they broadcast may be totally different ten years from now than it is today. Yeah, I, I used to hear stories about people who would just walk into a radio station and say, you know, I, I want to get on the air. And they'd give them a piece of copy and and that would be it. And if they liked him, they hired him. I don't think you can do that anymore either. No, you can't do that anymore. No, you can't. No. Well, I will tell you this. Yes. I, I hope you're back on the air, not only for your sake financially and, and emotionally, but you are a great service to the media and a great service to the credit of Boston. And you ain't bad to have as a friend either. Oh, you're too kind. And I thank you very you, much. You, you you put that just the way I wrote it for you. <laughs> I thank you very much for coming in here. Thank and you for having time. me. I enjoyed it. All the luck in the world to you, Rod Fritz. And that will do it for this edition of City Talk. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to another great conversation with Ken Meyer and friends. You can contact Ken by email. The address is kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. That's kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. Tune in next time for more conversation with Ken Meyer on City Talk.